Okay, cool. I am also recording. And let's sync before we forget. <laughs> All right. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. And this is just a blanket, you know, edit out all Christina's sniffles and stuff. We can't let people know that we have immune systems. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and apologize up front, uh, both to Emily for all of probably the coughing and hacking that I'm going to be doing on my end, because I got to see family on Monday and it was great and everyone's doing well, except for the fact that my cousin's daughter was coughing in my face when I was reading her a book. I'm COVID negative. She's COVID negative. I just have a bad bug. <laughs> you should have stopped reading. You should have said, sorry, I'm not going to read to you if you're going to be coughing. Goodbye. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020. But how other other than the disease, how was your holiday? <laughs> Aside from that, it was it was good. I had to I had to adjust my travel plans and also thus our recording schedule <laughs> because of the weather that swept across the entire continental North America. <laughs> But it was nice to see family, and it is also, at the same time, good to be back in my own place. My cat is much happier now. Yay! <laughs> she spent most of our visit trying to avoid, or <laughs> trying to explore my parents' house while being inconspicuous, which was adorable, and a little like, it's okay, come on, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> at my parents' place, we also had my aunt and uncle and my other uncle over for the first time. Since we got yeah. Myrtle. I don't think Myrtle's met any of our extended family. Oh no, I guess Myrtle's met my grandma. But she hasn't met uh -huh. any of our other extended family. But she immediately pegged one of my uncles as someone who drops food. And so for the first time in her life, she became a dog that begs by the table. And we had to be like, no, go to your bed. You're not getting anything. No, I don't care how much food <laughs> Terry's going to drop. You're not getting any. Aw, Myrtle. What a good girl. My dad kept trying to slip lady little tidbits from the dinner table and was like she's not interested <laughs> unless you have like whipped cream she's not interested <laughs> hmm, this does not meet my standards <laughs> it's not even that as much as it is like she's just scared <laughs> but you know that's what that's what i get for getting a cat who also has anxiety <laughs> there we go i found my cough drops so now i have yes. honey with tea and cough drops <laughs> hell yeah and on that note i think we start the episode Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christina gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Hello, everybody, and welcome to Loser Like Me. This is a Glee recap and review, and hey, maybe today we actually will have some good things to say about Glee. My name is Christina, and one sec, I, f I had to find the bit that I wrote down. <laughs> Goddamn, where did it go? Something about Eggs Benedict. I can't find <laughs> the bit I had written down, but Eggs Benedict, that's me. I don't even know how that relates to anything. <laughs> I, found, I found it after I said it, so I'll explain it later. <laughs> I'm Tanner, and I hate the smell of public schools. I don't know how many positive things I'll say about this episode. The music? Fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. It's very much a Beautiful Gowns episode. And I think it is just because of the fact that it's Michael Jackson, so the context makes everything a little... Yeah. 
What what do you mean by beautiful gowns? I have not heard this reference before. Okay, so there's I have to have to double check who it was. Mm. Okay, it was an interview with Aretha Franklin from okay. like four years ago, and the guy is naming other like music divas and just doing mm-hmm. word association. And so he's like Adele. He's like, oh, great singer, great songwriter, Beyonce. Oh, great performer, great singer, and then like a few others. Then he gets to Taylor Swift, and she goes, beautiful dresses. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> Which is to say that I don't think this episode has a lot of substance until maybe the... I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. This is not a Natalie Ambrugli episode, but I am torn. <laughs> and I think, it, like I said, it is the context of everything, which Michael Jackson is very fraught these days mm-hmm. on account of, like, from, like, in the 90s, he was accused of like being a child predator and then got really slammed by the tabloids. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. they pushed back against that because it was ruining his life and responsible for a lot of like anxiety and stress and like legitimate medical stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he got kind of deified after his death in 2009. And yeah. then just in, I think it was 2019, a documentary came out about mm-hmm. like new allegations from people. And now there's pushback against those. And it's like, Obviously, the Jackson estate is going to push back against allegations of Michael being a bad person, but also, like, there's, I, I, it's one of those things where, like, obviously, you always want to side with the victims, but this has been, Mm -hmm. from the 90s, it was, like, one of the textbook things of demonstrating that the tabloids care more about selling headlines than the actual truth of the situation, and Uh you could uh never really tell, there was never enough evidence to tell whether someone was seeking a payout or seeking justice. And Mm -hmm. it's for every person who may have been victimized by him, there's someone who may not have been victimized from him. And he himself had a very traumatic life and childhood. And it's a whole big mess. And it's, it comes back to those things, which we say a lot on this podcast, which is someone can create incredible world-changing art. Like there's not a pop musician alive who cannot trace their influence back to Michael Jackson. He created amazing music, amazing art, and he could have easily been a terrible person. We, we, at this point, we just don't know because there's so much back and forth and it's become such a blurry situation. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because, like, half of his songs were inspired and spun out of his feelings and the emotional response of being targeted by the tabloids, mm-hmm. and now they're being used for Glee? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a wild, uh, that's it a is, wild path to take. <laughs> It's a, it's a very Glee issue where it's like, it makes sense that you're using the song inspired by real life emotions to match the emotion that's happening in your show, but in some way it kind of trivializes those emotions, where it's like, mm-hmm. when, we know Finn passes away, because Corey passed away, and when they sing the songs about those, those are songs about, they're about death, but they're not about real people dying, when they sing mm-hmm. stuff in that episode. If they sing something like Wake Me Up When September Ends, which is about Billy Joe Armstrong's father passing away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. it kind of would have fit because Corey really did pass away. But like, okay, so if they sing It feels that, kind of appropriative. It, it, it could have been appropriative, but it also kind of would have made sense. If they sang that song in the funeral episode where Sue's sister passed away, that would have felt like appropriative and trivializing of it. And so this is one of those scenarios where it's like, is this trivializing the song? But also, does the song's emotional truth, is it true? Because what Michael did or did not do? Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to add to this. <laughs> okay. I I agree with what you're saying. I just I can't I can't form a concrete thought to add. <laughs> that's fair enough. Is the is this going to be very much me talking and you having balloon head and going, "Yeah, that sounds right." 
<laughs> not quite balloon head, just that is the the whole how how Glee handles their tribute episodes is that is not something that I put significant amounts of thought into before we hopped on the recording. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. <laughs> well, and the tribute episodes themselves are weird because with the Madonna episode, it was all about what Madonna and what her music represents. And that mm-hmm. kind of made sense because Madonna- And she's as, alive. <laughs> yeah, Madonna's alive. Well, I mean, Britney was alive too. Britney's still alive. But like, yes, Madonna's she's... whole presence in pop culture and all of her music are about female empowerment. Mm-hmm. So that made sense. Britney's, like, a lot of Britney's music has been passed off as kind of, like, frou-frou, meaningless, empty, whereas, but, like, we now know in the present day, and we sh- many people knew and should have known back when they did the Britney episode, that Britney was fucking going through it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yet, th- it seemed that the moral of the Britney episode was that you shouldn't sing Britney Spears songs. And then Rumors, the moral of the of Rumors episode was, dang, wasn't Rumors a great album? <laughs> Yeah. It's just very glee about it. <laughs> yeah. When we have we have two more tribute episodes this very season. <laughs> I I know, isn't that Whitney one in two episodes? No, Whitney's down in like six episodes. It's gonna be mm. a minute. Gotcha. But anyways, if if you haven't caught up on figured out what we're talking about, we're gonna be watching the episode Michael, which was directed by uh Alfonso Gomez Rajon and written by Ryan Murphy, and it aired on January thirty first, twenty twelve. And I have no idea where this episode of this podcast airs. It's entirely possible it could air in the same place because our release schedule is woo! <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, anyway. We begin with Kurt wearing a terrible hat. Yeah. It's giving Rakakuni. <laughs> it's it's so bad to the point where I wish he was shoved in. Even though this is kind of like the Kurt, era- the Kurt Erased era of Glee, I do wish that they had shoved him in the back and put Mercedes more at the forefront because her hat is a better hat. <laughs> All this is to say that I my first line of notes for this episode is, "Hey, remember Michael Jackson? Glee does." Well, like I said, this this was in the Michael Jackson kind of like the the comeback, the the post death comeback of Michael Jackson, where everyone mm-hmm. was losing their minds about him. He was so great. He was the king of pop, and he da 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 da, and this is it. He come out. Yeah, yeah. And the whole gist of this episode is, "Hey, the treble tones getting." Didn't get to do Michael Jackson with us for our set for their set at sectionals because they were still separate. But now we want to do a set together, so let's just make the entire episode about Michael Jackson's music. Pretty much, Mercedes is like, I don't just want to see Michael; I want to be Michael. And then no, Will passes by. She doesn't and want is like, to be the spectacle. She doesn't want to see it. She wants to be the spectacle. Yeah, and then Will walks by and is like, you kids talking about Michael Jackson? I also like him as an artist, and mayhaps we shall do something. And then Blaine is like, that reminds me of a song! And then they want to be starting something. They got to be starting something. I'm a vegetable. I'm a vegetable. (laughs) (laughs) I am a banana! (laughs) They, They dance through the halls, and then they dance into the library... Where they see some of the the girls. Mm-hmm. I describe this as a gather the team dance number. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, the the only other like extant team members they gather. So it starts with Clean and the Trouble Tones. No sugar. Sugar is not here in this episode. Aw, I miss Vanessa Lenji's. Apparently, Vanessa Lenji's had a weird clause in her contract where it was like you cannot appear in tribute episodes. Really? Yeah. Shit's so weird. you will notice that she is not present for Saturday Night Gleaver or Dance with Somebody either. Maybe one of those was okay to miss. 
But yeah, so it's the Troubletones, Trinity, and Clane, and they dance through the halls, and then they gather Quinn and Rachel and Tina from the library, and then they get into the auditorium where they have one of those big, like, light bulb boards. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And everyone's wearing an outfit inspired by Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. which... For Quinn is just her outfit from the library, but she's got some pauldrons on. But you know, that's all you really need when you're Quinn for Bray. Yeah, yeah. The Glee Wiki had notes that everyone was kind of dressed according to different like types of the according to the different styles of Michael Jackson's career. So Blaine, Rachel, and Mercedes were dressed from the Billie Jean era. Kurt, Sam, Rory, and Brittany were dressed from Bad. Tina was dressed from Smooth Criminal. Mike was dressed from Beat It. Uh, Santana was apparently both Billie Jean and bad, and Artie was dressed from Thriller. They were probably yeah. reusing costumes too, which yeah, go for it. There's a lot of there's a lot of marching band uh, aesthetics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is good. And then also Finn just has a bedazzled football jersey. Yeah, which I guess was like, I mean, I guess they did Thriller heads will roll way back in season yeah. two, so I'll I'll accept it. I think the vocals were good. It was weird to hear them have like backing instruments because when this episode was airing that was to the point where i was falling off of glee because school and work but i have had the acapella like the artificial acapella version like the version where the fans went in and cut out the backing instruments on my itunes since this episode aired so it's weird to be like oh hey there's instruments in this huh it's weird that that, that's a specific thing that exists and that you have (laughs) look the artificial acapella covers were the, all the rage back in the day with Glee fandom. Like, I have never heard of this. <laughs> I think every single article on the Glee wiki for a musical number has a link to the video of the entire performance, audio only, and the version where somebody cut out all the backing instruments. Fascinating. Bizarre. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> Look, at this point in time, pop culture was beginning the turn towards acapella that reached its high point with Pictatonix winning the sing-off and Pitch Perfect 1 being released in theaters. So I'm not saying that it's... I'm not saying that it directly caused those two, but I have connected two points. I've connected the two dots. You didn't connect shit, but... I've connected them. <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. It's fun. They look like they're having fun. Also, the do this is Rory watch, because Rory is present in this episode, even if he doesn't say anything, but he does dance. Mm-hmm. And my no- also, this is this is coming after the announcement that this is our first episode we've recorded since it was announced that Rory was going to be on Dancing with the Stars Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the the lad in Glee in this episode specifically, it feels like he's dancing and he has no knees, <laughs> just very straight legs. I just I appreciate how your Irish accent keeps on sneaking up from behind you. <laughs> that one was veering into Russian. <laughs> Oh, this is a quick quick aside. After I exited the New Year's stream that I was, or the New Year's like group chat that I was on, I went to another group chat that Ryan was on, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was streaming a Hat in Time, where a majority Ooh. of the villains are Russian mafia. Ah. <laughs> and ah. after hearing their thick Russian accents, I messaged one of my friends and was like, "Hey, I know where you got your D and D character from." <laughs> <laughs> Vlad. Nice. Uh, so it's time for a subplot that I completely forgot about since the last time that we recorded. (laughs) I completely forgot that at the end of the last episode that we watched back in 2022, that Finn proposed to Rachel. He proposed to her last year. That is three days since. (laughs) Yeah. And he just shows up and 
he like talks to her in the hallway and he's like cool it's been exactly three days will you marry me you said you need a time to think about it please will you marry me and she feels rushed he feels threatened by the prospect of either long distance relationships or dating in new york city but she's committed and doesn't need a marriage license to show that <laughs> yeah and she's like this is all happening so fast and finn's like okay you're right never mind and he doesn't leave it's not like he rescinds her proposal but he's just like yeah you take all the time you need to think about it i'd like to know mm-hmm. at some point this week maybe but like also no pressure yeah yeah <laughs> rachel rachel's just kind of nebulously floating in and out of plots in the background She's mm-hmm. she's almost like a muse for everyone else to bounce off of. She do, she doesn't accomplish much <laughs> in this episode. It's truly it's 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 Rachel who's got the beautiful gowns. <laughs> she isn't the best muse, but she does do a lot of inspiring other people into action. Yeah. Speaking of inspired or lack thereof, they're all at the lima bean in the next scene, mm-hmm. and they're talking about their favorite. Also, I'm pretty sure this is a new set for the lima bean. I'm pretty sure they renovated. <laughs> I could not see it that well through the light coming in against my television, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, it just seemed like it was a lot more cottagecore last time we saw it, and now it's a lot more brutalist. Huh. I will have to pay attention next time. Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah. They're they're talking about their favorite Michael Jackson memories. And Artie says that he saw Michael Jackson moonwalk across the stage when he was little, and his first words were hot damn. And Kurt owes Jackson a debt of gratitude because he established the bedazzled military jacket before Kurt picked it up. And so does Gerard Way by that token. <laughs> imagine imagine the alternate timeline where Kurt gets really into emo punk instead of pop music and Broadway. Oh my god. That would be Imagine scene kid Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, could you imagine? Kurt with the little striped fingerless gloves. And and the bangs that go over one eye. Kurt shopping at Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, now here's here's the real question: Does Hot Topic Kurt still end up with Blaine, or does he go out with Sam? Mm, mm, maybe Sam for a hot second, but but I would say still ending up with Blaine, just because there are more dark and edgy corners of musical theater that Blaine represents. But than Blaine's there are. a prep. Well, yes, but Kurt puts his middle finger up at him. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tina is the one who wrote My Immortal. We have established this. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I know Tina's goth was truly just a phase, but I still think it's an injustice that she never got to sing anything by Evanescence. I know, right? They never sang a single, they never evened a single essence on Glee, and that's such a wasted opportunity. <laughs> that's how you know that the writers didn't do any of their research into what actual high school musical theater and choirs are like because there are always at least two goths in any given musical performance group in high school exactly rachel doesn't get michael jackson she's like yeah he's good but whatever yeah because rachel says like i just don't get michael jackson and then Artie says i'm sorry but we are no longer on speaking terms which is the correct response but rachel then lists off two musicians who she does quote get and they are Barbara Streisand and some other white lady that I wasn't paying attention to. It was, I'm pretty sure what it was, was Kurt says he was friends with Barbara Streisand and Liza Minnelli. And then the musicians that Rachel appreciates are Stephen Sondheim and Stephen Schwartz. Two white men. <laughs> yeah. R- Rachel Berry does not appreciate black culture. Yes. Also, we've we've also, yeah, we saw the Z-Way interview too. It's good. Go watch it. <laughs> mm. God bless Amber Riley. God bless Z-Way. Both of them are great. <laughs> That's going to come back at the end of this too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sebastian 
hoves into view carrying a coffee cup. I just wrote down that he and Blaine are still talking because Blaine told Sebastian that they were going to do Michael again for regionals, which infuriates Kurt. And then Sebastian says something racist to Santana. Yeah. I do have a note that it's like the most gay culture thing in Glee is the fact that Blaine is still friends with the guy who tried to seduce him away from his boyfriend. Ah. There's a, when there's only like five gays in Ohio, yeah, you're all gonna like even no matter much how no matter how much you hate each other, you're gonna still be kind of connected. True, true. Well, I say, I say true like I have any experience in this, which I do not, but that is understandable. <laughs> That's what I meant. But yeah, Sebastian's like, why? I'm gonna be racist in Santana, and then guess what? I'm in charge of the Warbos now, and I'm a bitch. So we we've taken all of the Michael Jackson, uh, so suffer, which is like. You know you could both do Michael Jackson. This mm-hmm. is to, to to bring back the Riley of it all. <laughs> when Riley was here, like what four years ago now, mm-hmm. and they were saying how a lot of people doubled up on the same songs. It's mm-hmm. a good thing if you mm-hmm. double up because then you can just beat them at their own game, which exactly. I think was the moral of this episode. Maybe it's what they were trying to do, but it's not what they ended up doing. <laughs> I don't know what they ended up doing. <laughs> Neither did they. It's Glee, but yeah, and we then cut to. Everyone walking into show choir for practice and Blaine is like, I just don't understand how it's a bad thing that the Warblers are also going to do Michael Jackson because we're just better than them. And this is where Puck is t- is saying like, oh yeah, Blaine just ratted us out. You're like a modern day Eggs Benedict instead of Benedict uh. Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> and Finn is like, no, we should all be putting ourselves on blast because we need to stop complaining about the warblers and start figuring out how to beat them. And the will is also there and he's like, I agree with Finn. So instead of thinking of a set list, let's just vibe. <laughs> it is three weeks away, but we got to mm-hmm. figure out the vibes. What would Michael Jackson do when faced with injustice? You know, the injustice of having your glee show choir set list taken. <laughs> Oh, God. The answer is, it's time to take it to the streets. Or the inside of a parking garage. (laughs) So is this an official teacher-sanctioned, like, musical throwdown? Oh, please. Do you think that Will Schuster would allow them to do anything vaguely resembling a conflict? (laughs) I don't know, because it feels like Will was telling them that they should do this. (laughs) I don't know. I'm gonna just assume that the kids have started to realize that, hey, maybe our teacher shouldn't actually be the utmost authority on what we can and cannot do. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's an unsanctioned brawl between the Leather Kids and the Twinks in a dark parking lot <laughs> where everyone's dressed in blacks and midnight blue, so you can't see any of the dancing that is mid, at best. But yeah. you do get to see the stage combat. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down that Blaine and Santana challenge the Warblers to uh, to a Michael Jackson sing-off, and that they do a lot of kicks and punches. And Rory is aggressively shrugging. <laughs> I couldn't see that because it was so dark inside this parking garage. <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> the dark parking garage of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> the musical number is bad. Naya sounds great. As always. No, okay, you need to confirm. It's bad as in it sounds bad, or is it bad as in it is the song bad off the album bad? It is the song bad off of the album bad. Naya sounds great. Everyone else is doing fine. Now, my question here is, why didn't they go with Beat It? 
Because if they were doing beat it, they would have actually had to set it to a scene of assault, I guess. <laughs> because it's Glee and they don't think about it in a metaphorical sense. It's because this is this is the premise of beat it. I well, agree. The, the, I just... the music video was a gang fight. Huh. Don't you ever come around here, don't want to see your face, you better disappear. Yeah. Maybe maybe Fox was like, maybe you shouldn't have the kids actually like beating each other up on television. Save that for Power Rangers. They can still do the stage combat. I just think it would make more sense thematically <laughs> if they were like doing an homage to Beat It and singing Beat It. <laughs> Unless, I don't know, is the bad music video also a gang fight? That I cannot tell you. I did not have time oh, to no, watch actually, it. Oh no, actually, yeah. It looks like it is also a gang fight. Maybe they just decided that bad sounded better in acapella. Oh my god, the bad music video is 18 minutes long. <laughs> this is a short film. Isn't Thriller also very long? Thriller's like a mini horror movie. Thriller is 13 minutes long. So yeah, Bad comes in at five minutes longer. Huh. God, could you imagine if they just recreated the whole music video in the episode of Glee? All yes, I can, because that's it. the next musical number. Huh. Well, most of it. Um, anyways. Mm. The musical number ends with the Warblers passing a paper bag up to Sebastian. He pulls a slushie out of it, and then he throws it in Kurt's direction, and Blaine is like, No! And he dives in front of it and gets a slushy to the face. And then he screams out in agony. He screams in agony and he dies. Blaine is dead. That's a series wrap on Blaine. R.I.P. in peace. Press F to pay respects. <laughs> Morning till we join you. We'll miss you, Blaine. Or at least I will. And so we move on to after the commercial break. Kirk comes in. He's all shaken. And we find out that Blaine, his right cornea has been deeply scratched and he's going to need surgery. Mm -hmm. And Finn is like, Will is like, gosh, I can't believe a slushie would do that. And Finn is like, oh, because it's obviously not a slushie, Mr. Shoe. It's got like something in there like rocks or glass. Mm -hmm. And and Will is like, okay, well, unless you, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hypocrisy speedrun. Will says, why don't we just let the police handle this one? No, no, yet that's that's not the full context. Because first he says, unless you have evidence of the slushie was tampered with, the police don't care. So we need to let the system handle this one. Police don't even care if you do have evidence. <laughs> yeah, but this is just like, <laughs> Will, I'm begging you to connect two dots. The police are the system, okay? Yes. <laughs> But by saying, oh, well, there's no evidence, you are letting the system handle this. And the system is saying, no evidence. I wipe our hands of the slushy, and now Blaine is gonna be blind in one eye forever or something. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Blaine rips, or not Blaine, because Blaine is dead. Artie rips into him. I did go to find us uh, a transcript so I could get this whole speech down. It's good. Because, what, like, Artie and Mike want payback, and Will's like, that's not what New Directions does. And Artie says... No, we sing, and that's all we ever do. I don't give a damn about regionals. What do you expect from us? We're people. I know the rest of the world may not see us like that, but when they tease us and throw stuff at us and toss us in dumpsters and tell us that we're nothing but losers with stupid dreams, it freaking hurts. And we're supposed to turn the other cheek and be the bigger man by telling ourselves that those dreams and how hard we work make us better than them, but it gets pretty damn hard to feel that way when they always get to win. I get how upsetting this is. Oh, and then Will says, I get how upsetting this is for you. And Artie says, no, you don't. And don't give me any of that. It gets better crap because I'm not interested in it getting better. I want it to be better Mm -hmm. like right Mm -hmm. now. I want Mm -hmm. to hurt them the way they hurt us. No worse. I want them to feel my pain because frankly, that's all I have left to give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the only point 
where like the the anger the angry rant actually matches up with the scenario they're in because mm-hmm. yes his friend got assaulted he's in the hospital <laughs> with wounds mm-hmm. and like everyone is agreeing with Artie like there's lots of approving nods and lots of glaring at Will Schuster which is the appropriate response <laughs> and and also this is like one of the few times where the subtext of Artie being disabled can actually work in his favor yeah because you you can just imagine that he's also thinking of like all the times that he has struggled from the ableism and mm-hmm. how long it took for the Glee Club to recognize his ableism. Mm-hmm. And probably, even though we haven't necessarily seen much of it on screen, how much there's still ableism amongst the Glee Club. And he's just mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. letting it simmer because they're his friends, quote unquote. And Will is his teacher, quote unquote. Yeah. But now he's just, no, fuck it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of fuck it, it's time for a dream sequence. <laughs> yeah. And I was on the fence about this number in the first place, or like when I first saw this episode and after I saw some reactions to this episode, but I have come around to it again, because in this, this, this singular context of the episode and the events and the scenarios, it does mm-hmm. actually work. Mm-hmm. Now, of course it's, so it's Artie and Mike, like Will's like, Artie, you need to take a step outside. And Artie's like, fine, I will. And then he stands up because it's an imagined spot. Uh-huh. And then him and Mike are going to sing Scream which was a duet between Michael and Janet. Mm. And this one was like specifically inspired by all of the tabloids and the criticisms that Michael was getting. So again, the the real life context is a little bit iffy. Mm-hmm. But considering that the alleged emotion is coming from a place of anger at being brushed off by the wider social systems, I guess. By people in authority. <laughs> yeah, this does feel right in the context of the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I totally understand if people don't agree because of just, like, maybe you do find this a little bit appropriate of because it's fucking Glee, and maybe you do find it's a bit fraught because of whether Mike, like, whether the accusations were legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. The singing is not the best, I will say, actually. I thought Harry did a good job. It, it's the year of Mike, but also I just don't think they they can reach the same, I don't know, the same je ne sais quoi that Michael and Jackson have, or yeah. Michael and Janet have. Yeah, I thought the performance was pretty good overall. I I noted here, I was like, hey, they've got some great eyeshadow. Maybe this is what inspired Harry to get that job on Shadowhunters. (laughs) (laughs) Puts on eyeshadow once and he's like, damn, I should be a homosexual. (laughs) Oh no, I guess, was Magnus Pan? I I, I never watched Shadowhunters. Pretty sure he's Pan. All I know about Shadowhunters was that uh, Magnus and Alec OTP and also there was incest, but just kidding, it was a fake out. Yeah. With a different ship, not with Magnus and Alec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a part where Artie is, like, raging at the wheelchair, which is, you know, valid. And my only other note here was, I wonder if... I, I think it looks like they built this set specifically to use for this for this shot, for this performance. And I wonder if it was on gimbals or not. Because, like, there's different shots of everyone, like of Artie and Mike variably like standing on the ceiling or on the walls or one of them's on the ceiling one of them's on the wall they're Spider-Man but just after the cinematic masterpiece that was uh Demi Arajuive's uh September video for 2021 I love watching for where gimbals are being used in set design (laughs) (laughs) and then it turns out that the entire music video was in Artie's head because he's just been doing a Kubrick stare at wheel for the last five minutes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm on Wikipedia and I didn't see anything about the production involving Screen. So it mm. could have just been, you know, uh, yeah, other effects. Not gimbals necessarily, but when when you paste it in after mm-hmm. the fact. Yeah. Green screening it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, the next scene. It's this scene. <laughs> 
this is a scene. This is a whole number. Do you want to talk about this one? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will probably appreciate help because my I again sick. But we we jarringly cut from Artie being mad to Rachel, who goes up to Quinn and says that she needs help with a sensitive problem. And Quinn says, "Oh my God, are you pregnant?" <laughs> <laughs> And the answer is no, but Rachel requires tact and secrecy in dealing with this matter. Uh, and Quinn says, fine, yes, I can keep a secret. Look at me. I kept. <laughs> look at how long I kept a secret about me being pregnant by Puck instead of by Finn. <laughs> but Rachel asks Quinn, should I marry Finn? And Quinn says, you can't. And Rachel says, Rachel gets into a tizzy, but then... Quinn reveals that she got into Yale because her her inspiring story of keeping straight A's despite having a teen pregnancy and everything that has happened to Quinn Fabray in the last two and a half seasons of Glee apparently made her like just sheer candy to the admissions counselors, which sometimes is true, sometimes is not true. <laughs> IRL. But all this is to say, Quinn flat out says, I dated Finn and Puck. And Sam. And I thought I loved some of them, but I won't know why when it's winter in New Haven. And my note here is, Quinn is going to have a big queer freshman year. <laughs> okay, listen, this... So yeah, she says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she says, like, enjoy... Yeah, she says to Rachel, enjoy the next few months with Finn, obviously. But don't expect it to, like, last past that, because, like, women are finding themselves in their 30s now... And mm-hmm. she doesn't see any point in carrying an anchor from her past. Into the bright lights of her future. <laughs> if Yeah, if you really want to find yourself, you need to be able to say goodbye. And then she goes into the song, Never Can Say Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Look, there has been mountains upon mountains of Faberi meta written on Tumblr about that scene in particular. But this is the first I've heard of this song. <laughs> this song only makes sense if Quinn has a big lesbian crush on Rachel. <laughs> You're not wrong. Because this is not a scene about Quinn saying, let go of your past and look forward to the future. This is a song about Quinn saying, let, let go of your past and come date me. <laughs> this is Quinn saying, I don't want to date boys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but more in depth. My first note here was, finally, they found a good song for Diana's vocal range. Truly. I'm, it, it helps that she she is very high pitched and she sings the song like not by Michael Jackson but by the Jackson Five, which were all children. So obviously that's also a very high pitch. Mm-hmm. Like she starts off this performance in like a lounge singer dress, performing on the stage, and she dances with and then turns away from the boys that she's dated. So dancing with Puck, and then she kind of sweetheart dances with Finn, and then pushes him away. And then Sam steps up from the orchestra and they dance and then she turns away from him. And then we cut to her locker, uh, which is, I think is like pasted with pictures that Diana probably took herself because it's a lot of like behind the scenes cast photos. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of Finn and Rachel from season one, probably when they were doing that shoot on like the bleachers or whatever. But she has a magnet covering up Rachel's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I can't even look at her. But then we cut to the choir room where she's singing and she's vibing. Everyone's vibing, except for Rachel, who is blue screening. (laughs) And then everyone's like, wow, Quinn, that was so good. And then she reveals that at Will's prompting, she reveals to everyone, not just Rachel, that she got into Yale. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Quinn, we're so happy for you. And Rachel's just sitting there just like, again, 
blue screening doing the buffer <laughs> and she says something to the effect of thank you for your support and i don't have the transcript pulled up here but my first note was here's the quinn we know and love she <laughs> says i was the only one standing in the way of myself you can't change your past but you can let go and start your future rachel will you go out with me <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, come to Yale. Cause it, cause Rachel is just sit like ever at the at the end. Everyone is like standing up and being like, "Yeah, hey, we're so happy for you, Quinn. Let's give you a big hug." And Rachel is just sitting there looking for Klimt. <laughs> also, that musical number was very good. It's it's really good. It's also the last solo that Quinn will ever sing. Goodbye. Are you are you fucking serious? You told me that. I'm outraged either way. <laughs> Now, to, to be fair, okay, so, like, in season four, she gets a song with Santana and Britney, but she's clearly taking lead, and it's not the last time she'll ever sing, period. But this is the last solo for Quinn. I'll go play taps after we get off the recording. <laughs> well, we can just edit that in right now. It's okay, Diana Agron will be moving on to greener pastures. And also probably greener, as in more money. <laughs> did you see my tweet about how one day she asked to play a Claremont dame? I did. Which Claremont dame, though, is the question. I feel like it's going to be Emma Frost. I could see that. Or Jean. Stick her in a red wig. <laughs> yeah, true. And then she can go crazy! <laughs> Actually, legitimately driven crazy by the Phoenix Force instead of being driven crazy by the Glee Riders. <laughs> One of which is better than the other. Ryan Murphy walks into the room and Diana Agron just goes, I can't control it! And like, burns everything down. God, could you imagine? <laughs> he, w- he wouldn't be getting a Lifetime Achievement Award if that happened. <laughs> Diana would be getting it. <laughs> the, the, the parallels between Diana Agron and Ryan Murphy and Jean Grey and Charles Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> Both being menaced by evil little bald men. When you think about it, the X-Men were just Charles Xavier's Glee project. Oh my god. <laughs> so now I think we have to invite the entire cast of Cerebro onto this podcast. Well, that's just Connor Goldsmith, and I think he's a bit too famous for us. I mean, why not? Shoot for the stars. <laughs> Shoot for the stars, and the stars will say, no, who are you? I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay, back on Planet Glee. <laughs> Back on Planet Glee, Santana sees Kurt making a list in a room, and she's like, what are you doing? And Kurt says, trying to keep the flames from shooting out the side of my face, uh, which knows that Kurt is cultured. Flames. Flames. On the side of my face. Breathing. Breath. Heaving breath. Um, and then Santana's like, well, your outfit's not helping, which is like, it's a funny clapback, but also Kurt is just wearing a sweater, so I feel like they wrote that line before they got to wardrobe. Probably, yeah. <laughs> So Kurt says, I agree with Artie. I don't want to be stepped on. But I also, d- and I, d- I don't want to take hate from Sebastian the Criminal Chipmunk. But I also don't want to play dirty. That seems icky. I'm a good boy. He wants to, he wants justice, but he doesn't want to go to jail for it. Sure, whatever. And then Santana says, it's okay. We aren't going to beat him up, but we will beat him. Yes. Um, because Auntie Snakes has just arrived on the Bitch Town Express. God bless Naya. 
But before we get to that, we need one scene where it's just like, hey kids, what if we reminded you that Sam Sadie's has development? Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sitting here with my head in my hands, just dreamily about how happy they are. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, this is the only time Sam Mercedes interact in this episode. And it's like, hey, just so you know, we're pushing for this. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Sam texts Mercedes to come to the gym, like in all caps, like, come to the gym now. And she's like, oh, God, did he break his leg or something? (laughs) (laughs) He would have. For Mercedes' sake, yes, he would have. But she gets there and she sees that the, like, the big light board they have across the back of the stage now is lit up with MJ on it. My note here was, did you know that MJ also stands for Mercedes Jones? Because that's her last name. What? (laughs) But Sam says, since we're going to be seeing your name in lights someday, I thought we might as well start now. And he clicks a button and it changes to say Mercedes, all in lights. And she says, "Um, this is like the elephant love medley from Moulin Rouge. This is the Please Will You Get Together With Me song, but if not, will you at least sing with me one time? Yeah. And it's it's great. It's human nature, a more kind of acoustic rendition. It's just, it's great. They sound great. They they kind of play footsie and they dance around each other. It's adorable. And they kiss. They kiss and it's consensual. I was clapping and I just wrote my notes. Yeah! <laughs> Sam Sadie's for life. OTP. Always. Hooray! <laughs> Being a child and watching Glee is like, oh, I think that Rachel and Finn should be together forever. Watching Glee as an adult is like, no, actually, Sam and Mercedes should be together forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Finn and Rachel should have broken up. Yeah. <laughs> Quinn could have fixed Rachel. <laughs> I almost just spat my drink. <laughs> I mean... Excellent. We have established that Quinn Bay does have I-can-fix-them disease. <laughs> this is also true. <laughs> okay, so the next scene, it's a quick little thing where Bert shows up at the school and he's like, I need to talk to Kurt. And Kurt's like, oh no, what's happened? Uh, but it's just his letter from Niata has arrived. And so they kind of run around the school. <laughs> Kurt comes into the choir room and Bert's like, Kurt, this is the fifth room we've scurried into. Can you please just open the letter? Uh-huh. <laughs> now I also have anxiety. Yeah. He opens the letter and he gets the Niata callback. Yeah, he's a finalist. And Yay. They don't even have time to switch the camera to Bert before he charges into the shot and hugs Kurt. <laughs> he says, I'm so proud to be your dad. Like, always remember that you won. It's real good. And then Kurt goes to tell Rachel and Rachel's like, I haven't gotten mine yet. It must be because I'm terrible. My note here was... Rachel just has this whole breakdown over how she has no plans for her future and she has no idea what she's doing. And my note here said, sucks to suck, huh? Get over yourself, girl. I mean, yeah, like, I can relate to the stuff she says about how, like, yeah, it's stupid like, watching all your friends making plans for the future and realizing you have none at all. Yeah. Because I felt that, baby girl, and you're going to feel that for the rest of your life, even when you're doing well. Mm-hmm. But also, it is Rachel, so... It is Rachel, so I have very little sympathy for her anymore. <laughs> Honestly, if they flipped it around, if they had Rachel getting her letter and Bert, or not Bert, well, Bert too, but also Kurt having the breakdown, see, that I could relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, time for rat song. <laughs> rat music, rat music, rat music, rat music. I don't understand that reference, but I'm going to go with it. 
I'm about to explain it to you. Uh, but first, Go for it. Let's, let's, let's get this out of the way. So, Kurt is uh, at, he's reading the tabloids to Blaine at Blaine's house. Blaine has a big eye patch on. Finn and Rachel arrive. Finn brought action movies with people who wear eye patches, like Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically on Stranger Tides, which was mm-hmm. the fourth one that people were real iffy on. Uh-huh. Uh, Valkyrie, which is the movie about Tom Cruise as a Nazi trying to kill Hitler. And Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow! <laughs> Which, notably, the person with the eye patch on that is Angelina Jolie, which I think is the one Blaine would appreciate the most. <laughs> Probably. And Blaine's like, let's have a non-alcoholic champagne toast to Kurt. And Rachel and Finn just exchange this real awkward look. I just wrote them doing that, like, the face with the sidewise, like, you know, like, colon, straight line. Yeah, that one. Yes. And then Rachel's like, don't worry, don't worry if the surgery fails and you lose your eye. Because lots of great performers had only one eye, like Sammy Davis Jr. and Columbo. <laughs> God bless Columbo. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this episode to be topical. <laughs> uh, then Finn says Stevie Wonder was great and he had no eyes at all, which I, I don't think that's true, but you've got the spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so sad. I can't sing Michael Jackson music with you this week. So, okay, so what, what Blaine says is, I'm sad I'm missing Michael Week, but no matter how many times I rebounded, I kept on hearing him say, I'm sad I'm missing Michael Wave. <laughs> Next musical genre is Michael Wave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but anyways, mm-hmm. before I tell you about the next song, I have to tell you about a 1968 short novel, horror novel by Stephen Gilbert called Ratman's Notebooks which is about an unnamed social misfit who relates better to rats than to humans. And it's the basis of the 1971 film Willard, in which they expand on it and say that, like, this man has the power to control the rats with his mind. And this was more explicitly a horror film. That had a sequel film called Ben, which was about the biggest rat that Willard has. And Ben befriends another boy, but also he's a giant rat. And the theme song of the film was composed and performed by Michael Jackson. Oh, this is the meme about, this is a song about a rat. This is a song about a rat! Oh my god, the internet. Damn, Blaine, it's so sad that you're gonna lose your eye, and how about we sing a song where we compare you to a rat? God. And here I was, naively thinking that it was simply gonna be about, like, no shit, I wrote down, verbatim, just a quiet song about friendship and love. Nope. Nope, it's about a rat. (laughs) It's about a rat. A powerful rat named Charles Entertainment Cheese. (laughs) A famous rat named Blaine Anderson. Blaine Entertainment Anderson. (laughs) Oh my god. You know, it just occurred to me, the part of me really wants people who who, like listened to Glee when it was airing to listen to this. And part of me doesn't want us to be like taken outside of Twitter and tarred and feathered. (laughs) Why would we? It's it's a song about a rat. I cannot deny that it is a song about a rat, apparently. <laughs> Even in the behind the scenes, they're like, so this is the scene where we cheer Blaine up by singing Ben, which is a song about a rat. Oh, I missed that part. <laughs> I don't know which video it was because I didn't go back and find it, but I do remember seeing it back in the day because when my parents were watching the episode with me and they were like, isn't this a song about a rat? They had it was very much like last season where Mercedes is like, "Isn't this song about a baby?" Like someone <laughs> should have been standing. Someone should have been st- like after the song finishes, Blaine would be like, 
But guys, that song's about a rat. <laughs> I, I have to take a second and draw Blaine Anderson as a tiny, cute rat. <laughs> I will give him tiny sunglasses so we know that he's Blaine. And a tiny bow tie. Look, listeners, this is just what you're getting when we're recording on the first of the new year and I'm sick. Should I make his tie be, or his tail be patterned like the warbler tie? Yes. Jen Cheney of the Washington Post uh, stated that they're singing a song about a rat to a guy who is not named Ben and is wearing an eye patch, whereas Erica Futterman of the Rolling Stones simply said it was a little creepy, and Emily Vanderwerf of The Onion said it was fucking weird. Emily's not wrong. <laughs> oh good, I even have a pink marker handy. There we go. Episode picture, just plain entertainment rat. <laughs> it really is. <sighs> The, t- the announcement tweet is just going to be rap music, rap music, rap music. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway, so we now go from Anyway, the- if I may. You may. The-, the next line in my notes after just a quiet song about friendship and love was, Oh, fuck, smooth criminal time. <laughs> Santana, <laughs> yes. San Diego summons the warblers to a duel. <laughs> she does. She challenges Sebastian's honor. Emily, if you would please insert the clip from Avatar The Last Airbender about honor. Any of them. Even even a supercut. <laughs> Any of them. Honor. 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 The honor. 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 Honorary. Honor. 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 <laughs> yeah, she calls out the warblers and she like, specifically says, yeah, Blaine is in the hospital and most of y'all were his friend a few months ago. Now he's about to lose an eye. And uh, Trent, the sassy warbler, is like, Oh my gosh, really? I had no idea! Because he's gay. Gay, diddy, gay, gay, gay. Exactly. And Sebastian's like, Well, actually, the slushy was meant for Kurt, so it's just Blaine's fault that he dodged in front of it. And that's when Santana challenges him, and so the warblers and the rest of the warbler chamber orchestra uh, leave. Uh, but the two cellos stay behind, because these two cellos are the two cellos from the band Two Cellos. Yes. And now, give me a moment while I listen to their names. I think they're... I think they're Polish. Okay, Stepan Hauser and Luka Schulich mm-hmm. from the musical group Two Cellos. They're Croatian. Oh, they're Croatian. Okay, cool. They're Croatian. Because, yeah, the two cellos... So, so what happened was the two cellos put out a viral cover of Smooth Criminal, and they're like, let's bring them in and have Sebastian and Santana sing over it. Mm-hmm. And this is the most sexually charged number in all of Glee, and it's between two homosexuals. <laughs> True. And they are the kind of people who would absolutely hate fuck just for the drama of it. I will take your word on that. <laughs> <laughs> my my notes here were that the two cellists, they are going ham. They play so hard that they shred their bowstrings. I mean, that's pretty common with cellists and also fiddlers. I had to ask my old roommate, Becca, uh, who might be listening at some point. So, hey, Bex, thanks. What up? She mentioned that it is possible to occasionally break a few hairs on a bowstring regularly. But if you're hard on your bow, then it will start to shred, which apparently is quite common with two cellos in their performances. So yeah. if you are going to be picking up the cello, this is not something that you should have to deal with pretty regularly. <laughs> yeah. It's only if we're doing, like, these hardcore things. Specifically, covering songs that were not meant to be covered by cellos. <laughs> yes. But it sounds amazing. I remember way back in the Vancouver 2010 Olympics, I believe it was the closing ceremonies, they had, like, a big fiddler performance. And I was like, oh, cool, they've got, like, tassels hanging off of their f- fiddlesticks. And th- their bows. <laughs> yes. Um, and, I, and, I, and then I was like, oh, no, they're just fiddling that hard that the bows are shredding apart. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Also, sorry, Grant, this was Naya's song from the beginning. <laughs> uh, okay, but he he needed to be there too. Like, if it was just Naya, it would have been really good. But the fact that he's there too does elevate it because they kind of need each other to play off of. And he's kind of like the straight man to her heightenedness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I didn't know this until today, but apparently they only had, not scripted, but they only had choreographed parts at the beginning. Everything else was them ad-libbing. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, because like there's a part where like Santana grabs Sebastian's tie so hard that she spins him around uh, like ninety degrees, and he like flicks her hat or something. But <laughs> but it's fun. It's so good. She won, in my opinion. Also, purely off the strength of this number, two cells collabed with Naya Rivera again for Supermassive Black Hole. In the really? Album. Yeah, I had no idea. I'll have to find that afterward. Yeah, it's also really good. Unsurprising, but glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but. After at the end of it, Santana is chasing Sebastian down. Like, look, just at like, what did you do to that slushy? Like, why did you hurt Blaine? And he's like, Oh yeah, I I just put rock salt in the slushy, but I didn't put it in this one. And slushies her in the face. And then it turns out that Santana is a master spy because we cut to the next day where she has summoned everyone except for Will to the Glee room, and it turns out that she was recording the hang whole. On, hang on, before you continue. Okay. She's she's rushing everyone in, and then she says, "Brittany, lock the door." And then Brittany like s- slows down to like, "I don't know how to do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, Santana reveals that she is a master spy, uh, because she recorded their entire confrontation with an underboob tape recorder. So she has Sebastian on tape admitting that he put rock salt in the slushy that injured Blaine, and she's like, "Look, I have I have vengeance. We can take this to the." police we can get him expelled and kurt's like i don't want vengeance anymore i have a plan if you will follow me to the auditorium please and satana's like look i think she says something along the lines of like what if kurt taped this to his junk we all would be applauding him right now but nobody cares about me yeah she says there would have been a week of songs about it and Brittany just behind her was like yeah true god i hope santana becomes like a secret agent or something oh that would have been awesome Maybe that's why in the fanfic that I had been outlining when Glee was still airing, where everyone was like joining up with the Avengers and apprenticing to them, I had Santana apprenticing to Black Widow. <laughs> Maybe that yeah, was why. That makes sense. The whole, I mean, honestly, the whole unholy trilogy, trinity, the unholy trinity, absolutely would have been paired with Black Widow. God, could you imagine Brittany and Natasha Romanoff hanging out? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's really difficult. I can imagine Brittany and Yelena hanging out. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Also, Finn asks Rachel to hang back, and then they sing, I just can't stop loving you at each other, and then Rachel says yes to his proposal. The song means nothing! It's... It's a stand Beautiful gowns? It's a stand there and sing song. It's... Yeah. It's a beautiful gown song. And my note here was, is Rachel only saying yes to marrying Finn? Because at this point, this is the only definitive plan that she has for her life outside of high school. Yes. And my second note here was, what does Brad think of this? <laughs> Brad doesn't. Brad enters a fugue state whenever he's left alone with the kids, otherwise he will try to strangle them with his own hands. <laughs> You're probably right. God, could you imagine if we got him to guest on this podcast? God. Maybe instead of trying to land anybody from the from the regular speaking Glee cast, we say, hey Brad, 
hey brad do you want to come on the show i don't know because he was also like the musical director and so like i don't know how he feels about other production stuff whereas like the glee cast they were in the fucking trenches so i feel like they would be able to jive with us like threatening death upon people (laughs) (sighs) brad would be like i think you kids are a little too violent (laughs) (laughs) ah but you see sir podcasts are not admissible in court exactly exactly unless you tape it to your underboob <laughs> if you listen to this podcast taped to your underroom please don't tell us <laughs> i don't want to know <laughs> so we cut to the auditorium the warblers enter sebastian's like i hope this doesn't take very long i can't stand the scent of public schools yeah and basically it's just new directions saying we agree not to do michael for regionals but we're saying that because we want you guys to damn yourselves because you don't understand Michael Jackson, but we do, I think. Yeah, Is that what they much. said? Yeah, because they're like, show choir should support each other. Kurt, your plan sucks. Mm-hmm. And then they sing a song about racism. Yeah, they sing black and white. It's fine. So here's the thing about singing a song about racism when you're the New Directions. All before your members are white. You only have one black girl. You have mm-hmm. no black guys anymore. Yeah. Look at the Warblers. They have, I was counting, they have three black guys and at least two other guys who are non-white. <laughs> so I think the Warblers might know a little bit more about integration than the New Directions. But Tanner, you're all minorities. You're in Glee Club. <sighs> Anyways, Artie sings the lyric, he's not going to spend his life being a color. And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> he is the absence of color. <laughs> you're correct, Artie. Mm-hmm. And then all the warblers get up and dance. Except for Sebastian. Because he's evil. Yeah. And there's like f- a five second shot of like a gospel choir being revealed on the stage. <laughs> Why, do- Why do we need a gospel choir? The only reason they keep Mercedes around is because they need her to bring the gospel choir in for scenes like this. I don't know. And I just wrote, uh, whoopsie, Animorphs screen. <laughs> What does that mean? It's because that it's that part at the end where it's just everybody on, like they go through all the members of New Directions who are oh, there. That's right. And they do the morph from one person into the next, like an Animorphs cover. And I was unsettled by it. <laughs> you know that's from the original like music video too, though, right? I do. I don't like seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's okay for something to be an homage. I'm just not a. I think that's. That That is a bit of uncanny valley for me. <laughs> and at the end of the song, everyone's standing there and they're like, well, we accomplished your goal. Now all of the warblers know that you are somebody who would, in fact, commit assault, as in assault, you know, like rock salt, Wonk. upon a fellow show choir performer slash ex-love interest. And they give him they, they give him the tape with the blackmail proof on it. And my note here was, now all of China knows you committed assault. <laughs> yeah. Sebastian is like, this This cooperative attitude is the same same thing that lost us regionals last year. It's the kind of woolly-headed liberal thinking that leads to being eaten. So here's God. here's my take on it. First, I was like, well, this is bullshit. They shouldn't have done this. They should have just put Sebastian to the cops because he committed assault. But I'm like, no, we're trying to think about restorative justice. So what would be restorative in this situation? Because it still isn't this. But it's close. What they should have done 
is giving the tape to the Warblers, but not Sebastian. Like, give the tape to Trent, and let Trent play it for them, and the Warblers decide. Because, yeah, Sebastian might be captain, but mm-hmm. he ha- it's not like he did a coup on the ruling council or something. And the Warblers can just force him out. Like, that's what we do to Sebastian. We deplatform him. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Like, as much as you enjoy the poetic thing of beating someone at their own game, and, like, because, like, we want you to come to regionals with us so that we can see you lose there, too. And it's like, okay, but you know what would have even been better? If Warblers get to regionals without him. Ooh, yeah. And then even if they lose, he can be like, well, you would have won if you had me. And they'd be like, but we don't want you. And you're still not allowed in. That that would have been so much better. But unfortunately, the Glee writers were not that smart. They were, they, they were too liberal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're simultaneously too liberal and not liberal headed enough. Yeah. And we just finished the- we, we just caught after that musical number. We cut to Rachel finding Kurt in the hallway, and it turns out that she got her Niata letter. And guess what? Surprise, she's a finalist. What a- what an amazing coincidence. And somehow. she doesn't know what she's gonna tell Finn. Because it's like, she runs up to Kurt, and he's like, oh, cool, did you tell Finn? And she just stands there, because, oh, whoopsie, she forgot to tell her fiancé. <laughs> Oops, I have accepted a marriage proposal. <sighs> but yeah. Sorry, I just looked off to the side and noticed my cat running away because apparently uh, somebody was coming up the stairs to my apartment, which spooked her. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, Anyways, we're good. We're good. Christina, you started, so I'll let you know what my Gold Star song was. And it's Smooth mm-hmm. Criminal. Mm-hmm. You've been hit by... You've been struck by... A smooth criminal. Hoo-hoo! Hoo-hoo! That was probably too loud. I probably disturbed someone. <laughs> Wasn't there a meme going about, like... You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth cover song. Something like that. Or just stuff that rhymed with Smooth Criminal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Smooth Criminal is also my best, best song. It's gotta be. And then my gold star moment is... The recontextualization of Artie's rant does improve things, but I think my gold star is just Santana saying underboob. <laughs> How about yourself? Um, can I make mine be that the Quinn we know and love is back? <laughs> Yes, you can. Cool. That's what I'm going to say. Quinn is back for one night only. Yes. And what's your worst moment? I think my worst... uh, I think my worst has to be Will saying just trust the system. Yeah. Trust the system that has been encouraging bullying all of you individually for the last three and a half years. (laughs) And then mine is the corollary, which is lack of restorative justice. There you go. Because, okay, yeah, because in the end, they don't trust the system, but they also don't, like, they ensure that Sebastian suffers no consequences. Uh, Yeah. Could have had it all. Anyways, we've come to the end of the episode, so this is the part where I tell you that Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know, and we'll work on getting there. We can also be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter, which, despite the fires, I think is still going to be around when this episode comes out. Probably. Um, and you can also email us through loserlikemepod at gmail.com if Twitter is not surviving. Um, and we also have our own Discord and Tumblr. Uh, we're going to put links in the description. If there's no Tumblr link, it means that we haven't actually launched the Tumblr yet. But we're working on it! <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm working on it. It's going to be my project for tomorrow. <laughs> En la próxima vez haremos un episodio completo en español y con un invitado. Sí. <laughs> I got a minor in Spanish. It's fine. <laughs> I took one class of French and then she got sick for the rest of the semester. Oh, no. 
So we played cribbage because the, the substitute didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so f- f- final verdict: beautiful gowns. Yes. <laughs> Three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what, you, what missed you missed on Glee. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. I can't sing today, I'm sorry. I would try, and but that I can't. Was very, that was just noises. Anyways, Ed, scene. <laughs> scene. <laughs> scene. <laughs>